0: the Lord Church welcome to our Wednesday night service as you know we're not having service inside of our sanctuary at East Wind campus but we are excited tonight to bring to you a special guest evangelist Tess Stewart and many of you know the ministry of Tess Stewart and what a great blessing it is to so many well we're excited that he's bringing us a message right here for East Wind Pentecostal Church so gather the family around together and let's have a great time in church tonight on Wednesday night praise the Lord everybody it is so great to be back with you once again i do look forward to when we can do this again in person but i have enjoyed for these last several months watching from a distance seeing what god is doing there at east wind pentecostal church it might take me a little while to get used to saying that uh, but i just know there's been a lot of work done this last year all the remodeling and i know that your work is paying off god is doing a great thing in palm bay I do want to give honor to your leadership. We so greatly love and admire the Myers family, Pastor and Sister Myers and their family, their boys and girl, and Bishop and Sister Myers. This church is truly blessed with tremendous leadership. And as I said before, I do look forward to the day when we can do this again in person. But I do believe there is a word from God for somebody here today. I'm not going to belabor the time, but I do believe that God has a word for somebody to strengthen somebody in this hour. I want to read from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's word, which he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I want to focus in on that last sentence. What happened when the children of God heard of the vision, the need, the desire to rise up and build. The Bible says, so they strengthened their hands for this good work. And I want to talk to you here for the next few minutes simply about strength for your hands. Strength for your hands. There is a work that God desires us to do in this day and time. There is a rebuilding and a building that must take place in our nation, our church, our world, our communities. And we need the strength for our hands. I believe that the book of Nehemiah tells a fascinating story. It's not a book, frankly, that I preach about a lot, talk about a lot, but it's a book that fascinates me. There's so many elements in the story of Nehemiah that is relatable and things that we can draw upon. And just so such a practical uh, book in this in the scripture and what it tells. But just by way of context, the story of Nehemiah, his life takes place. In the fifth century BC and, and 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 what had happened here in the in Jerusalem is that prior to the life of Nehemiah, Jerusalem had been previously conquered and destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. And then later the Persians would come and they would destroy the Babylonians or conquer the Babylonians. And now Israel, the people of Israel, would find themselves as part now of the Persian Empire. And so Nehemiah was a Jew, but Nehemiah was born not in Judah, not in Jerusalem, but Nehemiah was born in Babylon because the people of God had been taken into captivity and the book of Nehemiah it opens some 40 years just to give you some historical context some 40 years after Esther had become Queen and and when Esther being a Jew became Queen that opened the doors in Persia for the people of God for the Jewish people to begin to rise to levels of prominence to to begin to occupy positions of great responsibility and great prominence so you might remember that even with Esther that her uncle Mordecai would become prime minister that the door had become open for the people of God to excel and to achieve levels of leadership in the Persian Empire. And so that when Esther's stepson became king after she and and her husband had had passed on, uh, Nehemiah found himself as the king's cupbearer. Now, this might not seem on the surface to be a position of great responsibility, great honor, but the cupbearer's position to the king was an important position because it enabled uh, the cupbearer to build a personal relationship with the king. He would become a, a trusted confidant. He would become someone who would spend a lot of time with the king in the presence of the king and in the presence of the queen. But, but there's just something about Nehemiah where he was born away from Judah and he had, you know, he, he was born in, in Babylon but there was just something about him where he was always connected to the people of God and it's apparent because the Bible says that one day uh, some Jews came from Judah and Nehemiah asked them about the condition of Jerusalem and he asked him how the people were doing there in Jerusalem and he was told that the people of God were in trouble they were in disgrace and that the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down and, and had been burned and this was something that troubled Nehemiah as I said uh, he was someone who never lost his connection uh, to the people of God. And and when he heard this about the condition uh, of the people of God, when he heard this uh, about the condition of Judah and Jerusalem, it it, it broke his heart. And the Bible says that he mourned and he fasted and and, and he, he was cast down in his spirit. But then he began to pray in Nehemiah chapter one and he prays what I believe is a very powerful prayer, a great template for prayer he starts out by saying Lord the God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments he, he he starts out by acknowledging God by extolling God then he says let your ear be attentive your eyes open to hear the prayer that your servant is praying towards you and then he went on to confess that the people of God has sinned that even himself he had sinned and turned away from God and the people of God had committed sin he 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 repented about the sin uh, that the people of God uh, committed against God. A great template for prayer. But then he goes on uh, to remind God of the covenant that he God had made with his people. He reminded him that, he, he, that God had told Moses that if the people are unfaithful, that God would scatter them among the nations. But then he went on to say, uh, but you also told Moses that if we return to you uh, and obey your commandments, that even though uh, we might be scattered to the furthest horizon, that you would bring us back together to a place uh, that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. So there's something here. He's referring back uh, to the covenant. He was reminding God of of his own word. There's something powerful about knowing uh, the word of God. There's something powerful uh, about knowing the promises of God and being able to stand uh, on what God said. And so Nehemiah says, God, uh, you said that if we turn our backs on you, that you would scatter us and you've been true to your word. I find myself in Babylon now because we've been scattered. We've been spread uh, to the furthest reaches and, and, and you've done exactly what you said you were going to do. We turned our back on you and we find ourselves scattered. But he says, your promises didn't stop there. But you went on to tell Moses that if we ever did come back to you, if we ever did come back and seek your face, that you would gather us no matter how far we had been scattered. And you would bring us back to a place that you had declared for your name. And so now he's saying, God, here we are praying. Here I am crying out. Here I am standing on your word. And he asked for God to give him favor that something great could be done. And then the Bible says that the king noticed that Nehemiah was sad. Nehemiah was weighed down and it was not like the normal countenance of Nehemiah. And so the king was so uh, concerned about what was happening in Nehemiah that he began to ask Nehemiah what was wrong. Your spirit seems uh, to be cast down. You're not physically sick, but there, there seems to be something weighing down. Uh, your spirit And so Nehemiah then had the door open to tell the king that he was cast down because uh, the city of his ancestors was buried in in lies and ruins and the gates have been destroyed uh, by fire. The king asked Nehemiah what Nehemiah wanted, what the king uh, wanted Nehemiah to do, what, what Nehemiah wanted the king to do. And Nehemiah asked the king for permission to go back to Jerusalem and build the wall. There just has to be something in the people of God. A passion a compassion and empathy for what other people are going through and Nehemiah is willing to walk away from some of the finer things that the Persian Empire had to offer he was willing to walk away from the very throne room of the king and the queen and says please let me go back and help my people let me go back and build the wall and so uh, it's perhaps striking that this same king had just 12 years earlier 12 years prior to this he had allowed ezra to leave and go back to jerusalem he allowed ezra to take one thousand seven hundred and fifty-four men back to jerusalem so they could worship there so there was something in the heart of this king that 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 he almost had a soft spot for the people of god and he was willing to let the people of god return to jerusalem And so true to form, not only did this king allow Nehemiah to return, but he he gave him letters that would guarantee his safe passage. And he sent orders that he should be given the supplies that he needed to rebuild the walls. And he sent soldiers to help protect them. And then he made Nehemiah the governor over Judah. And so Nehemiah returns with the blessing of the king, the support of the king, and with the word of God. But Nehemiah did not immediately tell the people who were living in Jerusalem what he had come back to do. The Bible says that for the first three days he was there, that he would kind of sneak out at night to go look at the wall when nobody else was around and and just go examine how bad the situation was just get a full accounting for how broken down things were as I said before there are so many practical lessons to be learned from the life of Nehemiah from the book of Nehemiah and there there's some wisdom here that even though he returned with the 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 word of God he returned with the blessing of the king that that he took some time to assess the situation before he began to to talk to others about what he knew god had called him to do he wanted to count the costs. he wanted to make sure he understood exactly everything that needed to take place and it was only after nehemiah had assessed the situation for some three days that he called the people together and then he told them what we read as our text just a few moments ago and so we read as our text then said i unto them you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. In verse eighteen, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Want us to look at once again at that last sentence. They strengthen their own hands to do the work. I believe that is the first step that must take place if any great work is going to be done. If any walls are going to be rebuilt, if anything is going to be built, if anything is going to be accomplished, you first have to strengthen your own hands to do the good work. There comes a time where you and I have to accept the challenge and there comes a time where there has to be that day of decision where you and I say, we're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to accept the challenge. We're going to do the work. It's going to take strength. It's going to take dedication and to get this thing started, we are going to strengthen our hands. We're going to desire to do a work and we're going to respond to the call of action. We need to be like those people who heard the heart of Nehemiah, Nehemiah points out uh, the need. Nehemiah says uh, we are in distress. Uh, The walls are broken down. Uh, The gates are burned with fire. Uh, There is a need. Uh, We find ourselves as a people of of reproach, uh, but we cannot stay there. Uh, Let's rise up uh, and let's build. Uh, And there's something about hearing that call to action uh, that made the people say uh, we're going to strengthen our hands uh, and we're going to make this happen. Uh, Hear me when I say that you and I live in a time uh, where there's real world work that needs to be done. Some walls have been torn down all around us. People find themselves in distress all around us. People find themselves disillusioned and discouraged and in reproach all around us. It is time to strengthen our hands to begin the work that God is calling us to do. Then the Bible goes on in Nehemiah chapter three to give a detailed account of The work being done. It talks about how the different families worked on different parts of the wall. There was a, it was very strategic. They assigned uh, different families to work in different areas. Uh, But the thing, the message I believe in Nehemiah chapter three uh, is that everybody was working. Every family was working. Every family was plugged in. Every family had strength in their hands. And everybody was committed to working for the cause. What would happen in the kingdom of God if every family would plug in, strengthen their hands, and begin to do the work of God? But the Bible lets us know that those people who were watching, those spectators, the people outside of Jerusalem, they watched what was happening and. They began mocking the idea of rebuilding this wall. This wall is so broken down, cast down. The gates are so burned that you're wasting your time. This is a fruitless endeavor. They began to mock it. In fact, they talked about how even a fox could come and knock the wall down. But something began to happen. Something began to change as those walls began to take shape. The Bible says that when the walls got to half of its original height, then the tone of those people watching began to change. No longer were they mocking the idea of something being done, but now they were seeing something being done. So they quit mocking the idea of the walls being rebuilt and they began to come up with a plan to stop it. That there's something in the mind of the enemy that says we can't let this thing get off the ground. I didn't think they were serious about it. But now that I know that they're serious about it and I see that it's happening now, I've got to come up with a way to stop this thing. And so uh, you have people on the outside of the wall who are discouraging at first, mocking and then plotting, trying to defeat them. And while they were dealing with the efforts of the enemy on the outside of the wall, the Bible lets us know that the people of God began to be discouraged on the inside of the wall. There's an enemy on the outside, but then there's discouragement on the inside. So the Bible says that those people in the wall begin to say, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Hear me when I say that discouragement is not a new thing. Wondering whether you can do what God has called you to do is not a new thing. Finding yourself surrounded by those on the outside who say you can't and having that begin to echo in your own spirit where you begin to wonder if you can is not a new thing. They found themselves beginning to be discouraged and beginning to doubt whether the work could be done. But Nehemiah was a great leader. So the Bible lets us know he saw what was happening. He saw the threats on the outside and he found the lowest and the most exposed places on the wall. And he posted people there with weapons. And then he told the people something powerful. He says, don't be afraid of them, but remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. I believe this is a message that can resonate in any day and time. Don't be afraid of them. Don't become so distracted by them, focused on them that you forget God. He says, don't be afraid of them, but remember the Lord who was great and awesome. And then he reminded them that there is a reason to fight. He says, fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Uh, Hear me when I say that that is just uh, as relevant in 2020 uh, as it was in the fifth century B.C. Uh, Fight for your families. uh, Fight for your sons. uh, Fight for your daughters. uh, Fight for your wives. uh, Fight for your homes. Uh, There is a cause that's greater than the cost. And so the Bible lets us know then that from that day on. Half of the men did the work while the other half stood guard. And then even those who were working, Nehemiah had those who were carrying materials to carry their materials with one hand and hold a sword with the other hand. And then each of the builders who were building actively always kept a sword at his side. And then Nehemiah had somebody with the trumpet that followed him everywhere he went. And Nehemiah understood that that they were spread out while they were working on this wall and, and they were distracted and doing so many things while they were working on the wall. And that made them vulnerable. So Nehemiah let them know that the person with the trumpet was going to be with him at all times. And every time they heard the sound of of the trumpet that they uh, should run to that sound uh, and be prepared to fight that they were going to rally wherever they heard the sound uh, of the trumpet. And then these people, they stayed dressed and armed at all times. Uh, They went to bed dressed uh, and armed Uh, there has to be a willingness uh, on the inside of the people of god to fight Uh, sometimes there has to be something that says uh, i didn't start this fight uh, but i'm willing to fight Uh, i'm prepared to stand uh, my ground but whenever you are attempting to build something from god for god uh, there will be multiple challenges and multiple attacks so the next issue that the people faced was the financial conflict among uh, themselves that Nehemiah had uh, to resolve so much conflict on uh, the outside, so much conflict on uh, the inside, uh, but they kept building trouble on the outside, uh, discouragement on the outside, uh, but they kept building discouragement on the inside, financial conflict on the inside, uh, but they kept building. And so they finally got the walls completed and all that remained was the setting of the gates. And it's almost as if then the enemy understood that this might be their final chance to stop this from happening. And so they began to increase their efforts to distract, to dissuade, to stop this from happening so they sent a messenger to ask nehemiah to come down and meet with them but nehemiah refused and they're becoming more and more desperate so they sent that messenger back four times to tell nehemiah to come and meet with them but nehemiah refused and nehemiah's ultimate response is found uh, In Nehemiah 6, 3, where he says, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Such a dogged commitment in the mind of Nehemiah. I'm not going to be distracted. Why should I leave the work and come down to you? The work is too great. It is a great work. Now they became, those on the outside became so desperate that they made up a lie. They attacked the character of Nehemiah. They began to openly question the motives of Nehemiah. They began to say that Nehemiah began to do all this, not because he loves the people of God. He's not doing this because he has an affinity and he wants to build something for God and the people of God. But they said Nehemiah started this whole process because he wants to be a king and he wants to rise as an insurrection against the king and he wants to usurp power and become a king himself. They began to publicly put things out to question the motives and the character of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah refused to come out even to defend himself. Somebody needs to hear me today there's nothing new under the sun. The enemy will still do whatever he can use to distract you and make you come down. The irony is he'll distract you to come down and defend yourself from things that he himself began. But it's all an effort to get you to come down. But you've got to be committed. I'm not going to stop building. I'm not going to stop working until the work of God is done. And so here now they find themselves nearing the end of this process. It's been some 52 days of grueling and brutal hard labor nonstop. They have found themselves to be on constant guard because of the enemy on the outside. They've dealt with external ridicule and doubt but they've also dealt with internal stress and tensions. They're tired, they're weary in mind, body, and spirit. They're physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted. And now the enemy was increasing his efforts to stop them. Things are crescendoing all around them. And so in Nehemiah 6:9. Nehemiah prays an interesting prayer. He says, for they all made us afraid, saying their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. That's interesting. Let me stop there. We started talking about strength for your hands and how in order to begin this process, the people of God had to strengthen their own hands to begin the good work. And now Nehemiah is talking about fear that now we've all been made afraid because the people out there are saying that our hands are weakened from the work. Now we're weak because we've been working nonstop for these 52 days. And now the work is not going to be done. And then Nehemiah goes on to pray. Now, therefore, Oh God, strengthen my hands. As I said before, The work began when the people of God strengthened their own hands. But after working for all this time, after having been surrounded by so many things for all this time, their strength was running out. And now they were tired. Their hands were tired. They had given it everything that they had. And now the enemy could sense their weakness. They had pushed themselves as far as they could push themselves. They had done all that they could do. Is there anybody who can be transparent enough to say that you understand, you can relate to what I'm talking about? they began the process. They strengthened their hands uh, and they worked. Uh, They strengthened their hands uh, and they persevered. Uh, They strengthened their hands uh, and they endured the sleepless nights. Uh, They strengthened their hands uh, and they endured the ridicule of the enemy. Uh, They strengthened their hands uh, and they overcame their own discouragement. Uh, But now they found themselves in a place where uh, they had done all that they could do. Uh, And now the prayer became, uh, now therefore, oh God, uh, I need you uh, to strengthen My hand. I need now the strength that is made perfect in my weaknesses. I've done everything in my power. I've given it everything that I've got, and now I need the strength that comes from only You. Somebody needs to hear me today. There's nothing wrong with saying, "God, I've given it my all, and now my strength has run out. I've pushed myself as far as I could push myself, and now I come to You, needing You to strengthen me once again." You have to have that strength that comes from beyond you at times. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God who when we pray that prayer is not moved to judgment. But he's a God who understands, a God who's been tempted in all points like us. He understands uh, when we need his strength. Because the enemy has a way of attacking during our trying times. He will time his attacks to find you in a place of weakness, attack you in a place of disappointment and discouragement. It happened with the children of Israel when they left Egypt and they were heading to the promised land during this wilderness journey they made it to a place called Rephidim. Rephidim means resting place. It's called a resting place because it was one of those rare places in that part of the world on their journey. A rare place where a traveler would expect to find streams of water. It was meant to be a resting place. But when the people of God got to this resting place, this place where they should anticipate streams of water, the Bible says that the streams were dry. And the people were in distress. They even threatened to stone Moses because they were so discouraged and in distress because they got to the resting place and they found no rest. And so Moses changed the name of the place from Rephidim. He changed it from resting place to Massah, which means testing and Meribah which means arguing it's gone from a resting place to a place of testing and a place of arguing. And I don't believe it's a coincidence that it is here in this place, this place of discouragement, this place of testing, this place of arguing, this place of shattered expectation, where we record the enemy attacking the people of God for the first time on their journey. It was only once they got to this place of discouragement and disappointment that the Amalekites attacked the people of God. And it's obvious that the Amalekites were perhaps a superior force because God told Moses to go to the high mountain, to the high ground with the rod of God when the Amalekites attacked God didn't tell Moses to take anyone with him. He said, go with the rod of God to the high ground. But Moses had the wisdom to say, if I'm going to go to the high ground, I'm not going to go by myself. So Moses took Aaron and her with him to the mountain. And as long as Moses was able to lift his hands with the rod of God, the people of God prevailed against the Amalekites. But as soon as his hands would weaken And his hands would come down. The Amalekites would prevail. So that leads me to believe that the Amalekites were perhaps a superior force. Because uh, without the help of God, without the lifting uh, of the hands of Moses, the Amalekites uh, were able to prevail uh, against the people of God. But Moses in the lifting of his hands, he found that yes, he strengthened his hands to begin the process. But his hands began to weaken. He became tired. But thankfully, once again, Moses had the wisdom not to try to go to the mountaintop alone. He didn't try to go where God was trying to take him alone. But without any sort of direction from God to do so, Moses took Aaron and her to the high place with him. And so when his hands began to weaken, when his strength began to waver, he had his brothers on either side of him who can hold his hands up, strengthen his hands and the work of God and the will of God was done. Somebody needs to hear me in this house. There's going to be times where you have to understand that you cannot be isolated. I know we find ourselves facing some unprecedented times here in our great nation. And in some ways, we're having to be quarantined, isolated. And I'm not suggesting that we don't take some of those precautions. But even now, you and I cannot afford to become truly isolated. You and I need each other now like we've never needed each other. It's not time to try to go to the high ground by yourself. It's not time to try to be what God has called you to be by yourself. It's not time to try to build what God has called you to build uh, by yourself. Uh, It's not time to do what God uh, has called you to do by yourself. Uh, But there will be times where you are going to need your brother and your your sister uh, to strengthen your hand. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. That's just a function of of being human. uh, That you can be like Moses. You can strengthen uh, your own hands uh, to begin the process. Uh, I'm strong enough to begin uh, the lifting of my hands. uh, But there will come a time when my hands are tired. Tired, and I'm going to need my brother. I'm going to need my sister. I cannot afford to stand alone. I'm going to need to say, "Help me hold my hands up." I'm going to have to be willing to be transparent and vulnerable enough to say, "I'm getting tired, and I cannot afford for my hands to come down." There are too many people counting on my hands being lifted for me to allow my hands to come down. So help me, my God, stand in the gap. Be an intercessory prayer warrior. Help me lift my hands, encourage me, call me. There will be times where you will need people to strengthen your hands and there will also be times when you'll need to strengthen somebody else's hands. You might not know where your brother or your sister is But now in this time of some isolation, why don't you make a commitment? I'm going to strengthen as many people as I can strengthen. I'm going to call as many people as I can call. Everything I do on social media will be an effort to strengthen somebody's hands. I'm going to pray. Let God make me sensitive to those my brothers and my sisters who need somebody to step in and strengthen their hands. I believe it's time to be connected now more than ever. And so let me say here that I believe God has a work for your hands today, that God does not desire you just to come to church for the sake of being in church, but God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan. There's something that God has for your hands. To build. And so you must first strengthen your own hands. Prepare to do that good work. Nobody can do that for you. You must first make a commitment to strengthen your own hands. I will respond and I will begin this process. I will respond and I will begin to build. But when opposition comes, you find yourself tired or weakened or distraction. When your hands begin to weaken, you have to understand that you were not meant to complete this work alone. But you have to be able to pray and say, God, now I need you to strengthen my hands. I need you to step in with your supernatural strength and strengthen me now And you have to also be able to say to your brothers and your sisters, I can't do this alone. My hands are getting tired and I need you to help me. I ask you here in closing. What work does God have for you today? What work does God have for your hands? What is God calling you to build? What are those things that God birthed into your spirit maybe years ago that you know that you haven't truly responded to strengthen your hands and made to come to pass? Can you receive the challenge, the commitment to begin this work with your hands, to begin to build because the cause is great? let's bow our heads god right now we come to you asking you now to seal your words in our spirits i speak life now god to every dream every desire every purpose every calling god stir some things up right now God. a desire to build a desire to make some things happen stir it up right now god And maybe there's somebody here in this house who needs uh, to make a commitment right now to strengthen their hands, to begin to do the work. Perhaps they've been procrastinating. They haven't responded uh, to the call. But right now, let there be a commitment in their spirit to strengthen their hands uh, and begin this process. God, if there's somebody in this house uh, who needs you to strengthen their hands uh, right now, give them the courage to cry out and say, God, here I am. Strengthen me, God. I need the strength uh, that comes from only you. And God, let this church, let Eastwind Church uh, become so connected now where brothers and sisters are are so interconnected now that there are uh, no families standing isolated uh, on a mountaintop. Uh, There are no men and no women standing isolated uh, on a mountaintop desperately trying uh, to keep their hands raised while all of hell comes against them. Uh, Let them be connected to each other. Let them be connected to you. Uh, Let them be connected to the vision uh, and let them build everything you're calling them to build. In Jesus' name, let it be so. Amen. God bless you. We love you. God is going to do great things through this church.
1: You can visit us at www.eastwind.church, and our phone number is 321 723 2030. God bless.